Let's go in our Bibles this morning to Joshua and chapter 9. Joshua and chapter 9. I thought this uh, picture... Oh, I wanted to remind you guys to pray for these folks. Um, one of our, we have our missionaries right here represented, the different countries represented, where we have missionaries preaching the gospel around the world. And this morning, I want to highlight the Bill family. They just are uh, moving into a, another house right now. They were looking for a place that would be more accommodating to serve more people. And they have folks in their home that they serve in the, in the country of Honduras. So we want to pray for our missionaries. And every time you give to our missions program, you're giving to this family as well. And we help them. Uh, as they serve the Lord in Honduras and they're seeing a church get started over there. We appreciate the Bill family and what God is doing in their life. We read their letter this morning in our prayer time at 10 a.m. Uh, let's go in our Bibles, though, to Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9. I had to put that photo with the message this morning. Anybody recognize that picture? <laughs> Don't worry, it's not going to be a political message. All right? But easy decisions. All right, Joshua chapter 9. Joshua in chapter 9, when I was reading through the word this week, I enjoy the book of Joshua so much that I finished the book of Joshua and I'm almost through the book of Judges. I just love this section of the word when I'm reading. And Joshua chapter 9, we read about an easy decision. And uh, in the last week and a half, we've seen an easy decision. And we've seen a big result from that easy decision, right? Fish died, people's chickens died. I mean, everything happened. One little easy decision, right? And a bunch of consequences, okay? So easy decisions that sometimes lead to big consequences. And this morning in our text, we're going to see an easy decision that led to a huge consequence. Joshua 9, look if you would. In verse 1, and it came to pass when all the kings which were on this side Jordan in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coasts of the great sea against Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. By the way, a new Bible version cannot fix those words because those are the names of the people, all right? There's just words in the Bible that are difficult to pronounce because they're nations that we do not know about uh, as of this day, but we're from Bible times in the past. And this is why I love, I love the Word of God and its, its reliability here. Look, it says they heard thereof. What did they hear about? They heard about Joshua and how Joshua had conquered two cities. It says they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and to Ai, they did work wildly and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles and old and rent and bound up and old shoes and clouded them upon their feet and old garments upon them and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. They were trying to appear as something they were not. Just like people do on Halloween. They dress up with a bunch of outfits and costumes, right? They were dressing up. They put a mask over their face. They wanted to look. Now, they didn't put an actual mask over their face, but they looked older. They, they, they put all these old garments. They put old shoes on their feet. They took everything old with them, and they made it look. They went and found moldy food, and they made it look like they had been on a long, long trip. It says, and they went to Joshua in verse 6. The camp at Gilgal and said unto him, 
and to the men of Israel. We be come from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. The men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye, and from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come. Because of the name of the Lord thy God, we have heard of the fame of him, and of all that he did unto Egypt, and of all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Sion king of Heshbon, and to Og king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth, Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of, our, inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take victuals, take these items, okay, with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore now, make a ye a league with us. Don't we live in a world that's filled with leagues? The League of Nations. God's people were specifically commanded to conquer the entire land and to not make any leagues with any of the inhabitants. They've conquered two cities. They've conquered Jericho. The walls fell down. They walked around it seven, seven times and the walls come crumbling down. They see God destroy that city. They go to Ai and they see the city destroyed. And now... They've had two battles of victory. And yes, they had Achan's sin to deal with too. They had two times of victory, two battles of victory. And now they make a huge decision, an easy decision, a quick decision. It says in verse 12, these men said, This bread we took hot for our provision out of our houses on the day that we came forth unto you. But now it is dry and it is moldy. They told a lie. They said, these bottles of wine which were filled were new. And behold, they be rent, and these are the our garments and our shoes. They are become old by reason of the very long journey. Have you ever taken a trip that was so long that your clothes got worn out? I mean, it kind of took an extreme. Imagine traveling across the whole Middle East. Uh, your clothes would not have got that worn out. They were making up stories, but the people of God fell for it. It says in verse 14, And the men took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. And it came to pass at the end of three days after they had made a league with them, they heard they were their neighbors and that they dwelt among them. Good job, Joshua, right? Good job, elders of Israel. They took these items, these proofs that were given to them. They said the shoes look old, the clothes look old. Must be a true story, moldy bread. They must have came from a long distance. They must be telling us the truth. Have you ever heard if it's too good to be true, it's probably not true? But Joshua fell for it. The elders of Israel fell for it. But look at verse 14. It says they took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I do like easy decisions. 
It's great when everything works out well. It's fun when things are moving along smoothly. It's exciting when things look good. But if you study history and you study the works of God, often at the bleakest hour, at the darkest time, is when God's presence is displayed. Often at the times of greatest discouragement, God gives greatest victory. Often at the times when, my friend, it looks like nobody's for you, people of God get right with God, and all of a sudden God turns the tide for them. Joshua and his leaders, they had waited 40 years to go into the promised land. They had wandered in wilderness simply because they had unbelief. They saw the giants in these cities. And 40 years ago, they had cried and they had wept. Joshua didn't weep, but Caleb didn't, but the other 10 spies did. And the entire nation of Israel, through their unbelief, was forced to wander 40 years until everybody that cried, everybody that murmured, everybody that complained, died. Forty years have transpired. And now they walk into the promised land. God gives them two cities. And specifically, I want to show you something they just had done. Look back, if you would, in verse 34 of chapter 8. It says, and afterward he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There is not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua read not before the congregation of Israel, with the women and the little ones and the strangers that were conversant among them. So any stranger that understood their language was there present. All the kids were there. Everybody heard God's word, the entire law that had been written up to that point, which, by the way, included the command, don't make a league with the nations. They had just read it, and then they violated it. They just got done reading God's law. They just got done sitting there and saying, we're going to follow it. Here come some guys in beggarly-looking clothing. We came from a far country. Sure, we're going to make a covenant with you. And three days later, they find out the whole thing was a lie. And they got conned. In the moment of success, they made a decision simply based on external evidence. Everything looked right. So they proceeded without asking God for his will. Proverbs 14 says in verses 12 through 16, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Nobody's ever gone wrong by fasting and praying before they make a decision. There are, were several decisions, and there are many decisions that should be bathed in prayer, and this congregation did not bathe them in prayer. When you make the decision, what church should I attend? We ought to ask ourselves, what's the motive? What's the motive? How will we educate our kids? We ought to ask ourselves, what's pleasing to God? Um, we've decided we're planning on homeschooling our children. But if you're going to homeschool them, you better have a strong conviction about it. Because it's not easy. But I believe it is biblical. Uh, education by the state has become pagan education. It's stolen the hearts of our youth... And if we want to change something, we must be the change. Joshua was leading the nation into new territory. And in our text, we learn how to make decisions biblically. We see what Joshua and his friends did not do and what we can do differently. In verse um, 14, it says they took, made a covenant. Verse 15, they made peace with them, made a league. And the con princes of the congregation, in verse 15, it says, swear unto them. They made a solemn oath. If you're going to make a covenant, God specifically forbids making covenants with anyone but him. And there are many different things that pull you into covenants and oaths. 
and promises, and oftentimes people will get bound into things and not even know what they are part of. God's word is very clear that any oath or promise should never contradict his revealed word. And the princes forgot God specifically commanded them, don't do this, and they did it. Look, if you would, in Judges and chapter 2. The book of Judges. Judges and chapter 2. Joshua is about ready to die, and the angel of the Lord appears in Judges in chapter 2, in verse 2, and it says, And ye shall make no, look at the next word, league with the inhabitants of this land, but ye shall throw down their altars. But look at what God says. But ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore I said, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto the children of Israel, that all the people lifted up their voice, and look at what it says, they wept. They wept when they heard the voice of this angel, the angel of the Lord. Why? Because they had disobeyed God. When did they disobey God? Back here. In Joshua chapter 9, they disobeyed God when they made a quick, easy decision. Everything looked like it was in their favor. They made the decision without ever asking counsel of the Almighty. Decisions made in haste may be decisions made in violation of the revealed will of God. You know, the easiest way that my wife and I have found to have nothing conflict with our Sundays is we don't do business on Sunday. Period. We're not going to do any mechanical work on our vehicles on Sunday because it's the Lord's day. We're not going to, uh, that's the day, if we go get gas, it's because we're on the way to a church service and we ran out of gas, okay? I mean, there, we don't go out to eat on Sunday unless somebody specifically invites us and there's no way out of it, okay? I mean, we just don't do transactions with business on Sunday. Uh, because why? We don't want to make anybody else have to work on Sunday because we want them to be in God's house. And so because that's a goal, because that's a plan in our lives, we're trying to honor God's day. And by the way, that sure does help clear up the schedule in our home uh, in regards to the easy decisions we could make. Easy decisions lead to big consequences. We saw that this week. Easy decisions. First this morning, we see in our text, beware of the timing. Beware of the timing. Back in chapter 8, they had literally just experienced victory. God gives you victory. You're encouraged. We're going to deal with discouragement right after that. Often that's the way it goes. It says in chapter 8 and verse 1, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war and arise with thee and arise, go up to Ai. God gave them the entire city of Ai. The city was destroyed. These people had forsaken the Lord. And just like our nation has turned from God, our nation is very near to being destroyed. And we see that, um, we even see things kind of flying over, planning to destroy, right? And in the middle of all of this, what do we see? The timing of our nation. We need to return to God. Beware of the timing. We are tempted right after experiencing victory. Sometimes spiritual growth is often followed by spiritual famine if we do not take heed to our soul. I am rejoicing. With the fact that there are many students at another college, Ashbury College, who in the last few weeks, 
They have spent some time weeping at the altar in their chapel at their school. It is a Methodist school. And they are getting right with God. They're confessing their sins. They are praying and they are reading the word of God. And there are many good things that have transpired there. I have been encouraged by the good things that have transpired there. But let me say this to you. Often after a moment of victory like that, the temptation is going to be far greater in your personal life to relapse. After the moment that you come to a church service, you say, man, God met with me. I heard something from the word. It helped me. You watch out. That week's going to, you're going to be tempted more than you've ever been tempted before. We are tempted right after spiritual victory. If we don't take heed to our soul, we'll fall. Joshua and the elders of Israel made a huge mistake. Beware of the timing. Watch out right after victory. You're going to be tempted to make a very foolish decision. The story didn't match up. There was no way these men had heard the news by foot. This was not the day of TikTok and social media and Facebook and instant messaging. They had to have somebody come by foot to give them the message. And Joshua and the elders of Israel should have sat there scratching their head and saying, we just won two battles. How are people from a far country who are dressed in clothing, they said that got worn out on the journey. How did somebody get that far and they have enough time to prepare and get all the way back here? They weren't thinking. Sounded good? Yeah, you guys must be from a far country. It's moldy bread. It's bad bread you were going to feed to your pigs. But <laughs> beware of the timing. There was no time to prepare and walk back that far in so short of a time. But when the timing seems too good, it probably is. Oftentimes, we, we don't run our decisions by anybody. Beware of the timing. Beware of the timing. Secondly, beware of the benefits. Beware of the benefits. Verse 4, it says they did work wildly. They worked in a deceitful manner. It says, and they made, in verse 4, as if they had been ambassadors. What's the oldest antiques we've got in our house? What's the most worn out items we have sitting around here? We're going to take those items. They were deceitful. Beware of the benefits. They came as ambassadors and said, oh, hey, we're... We want to make a league with you. We want to be friends with you. We'll help defend you. We're from a far country. We've heard about your God. We love your God. We fear your God. But you read later on in the book of Joshua, this was a nation of mighty men, strong men. And they literally made friends with one of the strongest nations around them, who was a nation that did not respect their God, but was just afraid of being destroyed. Beware of the benefits. They probably looked at those big men and said, wow, they could be our friends. They could help us. And instead of asking counsel from God, beware of the benefits. Beware of the benefits. In, his move, in the movie White Christmas, Bing Crosby, acting as Bob Wallace, kept saying, everybody has an angle. Everybody has an angle. He realized that in the movie industry, many, many movies were, uh, and many motives were selfish of the actors and actresses. And working in the prison, I've seen over and over again, many of those who attended the Bible study 
they had an ulterior motive. They wanted me to sign something for them so they could get out earlier. They wanted to get paroled faster. They wanted an address so they could get out quicker. Hey, where do you live? We want your address so that we can say that we have somewhere to go so we can get out faster. That was the reason some of them would come to the Bible study. They had an angle. Beware of the benefits. We're tempted to think everyone is on the same team when that's not always the case. Poor decisions are often made when the cards look like they're in our favor. They worked wildly. These men were deceitful, and they came at a moment of victory to Joshua, and Joshua and his men fell for it. Beware of the benefits. In Exodus 23, let's go over there if you would, because God specifically had commanded them in the Old Testament law. We read in Judges how God says he commanded them not to do these things. Exodus 23, beware of the benefits. Exodus 23, there is always a temptation to take the easy road out. Exodus 23 In verse 20, God says, Behold, I send, look at what it says, an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Now that sounds pretty good, but look at what he says next. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. Look, if you would, in verses 30, or 32 and 33. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. For those of us who enjoy hunting... You've enjoyed trapping. You know somebody who's enjoyed it, or you enjoy watching a TV show about it. There's a lot of art to the fact of those who go behind carefully to lure an animal. Carefully to bring them. Even if you just tried to trap something like a mouse. Or maybe you got a cat to trap the mouse. All right, to catch the mice. I mean, working wildly. They had an angle. They had a plan. Watch out for the easy decisions. Hey, they're with us. They might not be with us. God told them no. Often relationships, business ventures, education, civil duties are pursued without earnest prayer. How can we pray for our young people? Pray that when one of them gets on fire for God, that they will only have relationships with somebody, especially if they want to uh, date and get married, that they will only pursue somebody who loves God equally as as they do. Oftentimes, it is a trap. A young lady will get on fire for God. She'll find a boyfriend who is not on fire for God, and it will pull her down. A young man will get on fire for God. He will find somebody who does not read their Bible and get in a relationship with them and date them. And you know what, my friend? The Bible says did not make a league with them. And they made a covenant with those, hey, hey, they love me, they care about me, but they do not know your God. And God specifically told this nation, hey, the nation of Israel, don't make a covenant with these nations around you. Why? You say, is God just mean? Just like America, 
We are so corrupted as a nation. God's wrath is coming upon us. We're seeing it in the storms that come. We're seeing it in the different plagues that come. We're seeing it in the fact that our national security has been violated so many times in the last few weeks. Right? Our national security is violated. We live in a land where we, there's fear. Why? We have forsaken God as a nation. And when a nation forsakes God, the nation receives the wrath of God. Say, so what should we do? Well, I think the students at Ashbury are doing something great. They're getting on their knees before God and praying. Joshua and his men did not do that. The benefits looked like they were in their favor, so instead they just went along with it. Sure, we'll take your items, and you know what? We'll make a covenant with you. God said, don't do it. Beware of making a decision that God has specifically forbidden. It's a good job for him or for her because of the benefits. Watch out for those benefits. They'll rob you of the joy. How many times do you hear about the benefits, right? And the benefits are the reason of pursuing that particular occupation. We should not just pursue it for the benefits. And by the way, if anybody goes into the ministry in this day, they're not pursuing it for the benefits. We ought to pray for a church down the road. They need a pastor. There are several churches in this community that need a pastor right now. It'll be by the mercy of God they're able to get one. It's a difficult time. We want to pray for God to raise up men and women of God to serve God. Beware of the benefits. Too many times we only pursue the occupations that give us the greatest benefits. Beware of the benefits. Thirdly, beware of this. Beware of a lack of prayer. We said beware of the timing. Beware of the benefits but we notice this nation, beware of the lack of prayer. The men took and did not ask counsel of God. They took and did not ask counsel of God. In verse 14 of Judges, Joshua chapter 9, these men took all these items. God says, You didn't ask my counsel, didn't ask my opinion. There's not enough time. If there's not enough time to pray before the decision, it's probably not the will of God. You say, but this is the only day they're going to have sale on that item. Is God big enough to provide for your needs? It's the best deal ever. Is God big enough? A lack of prayer. Running into a decision at breakneck speed on emotions, probably not the will of God. Uh, it's one thing when the Lord causes the cards to go in our favor and we patiently receive his blessing waiting for direction. But my friend, oftentimes we get in such a hurry that we miss. God says, would you listen? Sometimes God puts on our heart to make decisions. And there's some decisions that sometimes God puts on my heart. I need to make decisions. But I've called sometimes my mentors and friends, and even recently, all of the, all of the men of God that I know that are in the ministry and asked them for their counsel. Mutual counsel was this. Spend great times of fasting and prayer. 
about it. I like that because it's very hard to do it. It was good counsel. Proceed cautiously and proceed with prayer. Beware of a lack of prayer. Um, Look, if the cards seem to be in our favor from a human perspective, it seems like a wise choice to make, but we have to stop, we have to pull back, and we have to schedule times of personal prayer about the matter. Clearing our schedule. Something that I'm personally doing right now. Clearing my schedule four times of prayer about the matter. It's a daily matter of prayer. Asking, Lord, Lord, show me the way. And look, rushed decisions without consulting the face of God are foolish decisions. We want the kingdom of God to be advanced in this community. I don't know about you, but I want more churches to be filled in this community instead of being painted with ugly satanic murals. If you don't know what I'm saying, you just need to look around, okay, in the community. Some of these church buildings that have just sold are now turning into things that are completely the opposite of godliness. We need to pray for God to send a revival to our community. Beware of a lack of prayer. Uh, Look, rush decisions without consulting God's face are foolish decisions. Here's some questions we ought to ask ourselves before we make any decision. I encourage you, if you're not in the habit of taking notes, would you write these things down? You could even take one of those envelopes in front of you if you do not have a piece of paper, and there's a pen right there. I encourage you to write these things down. Before you make any decision, would you ask yourself these six questions? Now, there's a lot of good questions you can ask yourself. Here's some ones for you that I think will help us. Before we make a decision, before we make an easy decision, let's ask ourselves the following questions. Why am I doing this? Why? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Secondly, who am I trying to please? Trying to please a parent, trying to please a spouse, trying to please a relative, trying to please our boss, trying to please a co-worker. We're supposed to please the Lord. Who am I striving to please right now? I want to please the Lord. Why am I doing this? Secondly, who am I trying to please? Thirdly, how will this glorify God? The Bible says, do all things to the glory of God. So if we're doing anything, making a decision, it ought to be a decision that ultimately brings glory to the kingdom of God. Great place to study in the Bible is what brings glory to God, okay? So how will this glorify God? Thirdly, why am I doing it? Who am I trying to please? How will this glorify God? Fourthly, does it violate any principle in Scripture? Joshua, if they would have stopped him and the judges, and by the way, Joshua was a man of God. He feared God. He followed God. But here you see an oops, a decision that was made in haste. Does this violate any principle in Scripture? If the elders of Israel would have asked one simple question to themselves, excuse me, gentlemen, thank you for the offer. It looks great. We're going to come over here and pray. Hey, men, does this violate anything in Scripture? Oh, yes, we just read the law of God and it said, don't make a league with the nations. Excuse me, men. God said we can't do it. But they did not consult with the word of God. They did not consult with the ways of God. Oftentimes, decisions are made without reading the word of God. And don't just, don't do this, okay? This is a bad one. 
Don't open your Bible and just say, Lord, please show me a verse that will confirm your will. Because you might get a verse that says, and they went forth to war, okay? <laughs> you know, you don't know what you're going to open up to. That's not the way to find the will of God, uh, just by randomly opening the Bible. Okay, so how does, does this violate any principle in Scripture? For example, Scripture says, do all things without murmurings. Uh, the Bible says these three things are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So is it a decision that violates one of these three? Is it promoting my lust? Is it promoting the lust of the eyes, the flesh, or the pride of life? Fifthly, this morning, how, is this decision right? Here, and we say, how does this decision advance God's kingdom? You're making a decision. It's, a, it's an easy decision. You can ask yourself, how is this decision going to advance the kingdom of God? Is this decision going to encourage the men, women, children in our church? Is this decision uh, going to promote Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, but, it, it, but so much the more as we see the day approaching? Is this decision going to be a decision that causes me to be in church more or less? Is this decision biblical? Is it advancing the kingdom of God or advancing uh, my own personal uh, decisions? Is this decision advancing his kingdom? Jesus said when we pray, we ought to pray. Disciples said, Jesus, how are we supposed to pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If you want God's will, if you want God's way, if we want God's blessing, we've got to ask him, Lord, what is, what is going to advance your kingdom? Is this decision going to advance your kingdom? Last, number six, have I asked God for his opinion? Have I asked God for his opinion? Why am I doing this? Who am I trying to please? Will this glorify God? And we can tell ourselves anything will glorify God. I've done it. Uh, does this violate any principle of scripture? I don't know. I don't think it does. We can quickly kind of browse over everything in scripture. How does this decision advance God's kingdom? Sixthly, have I asked God for his opinion? Psalms, David over and over again talks about being still. And he says, be still and know that I am God. God's presence is often felt when we quiet ourselves from other distractions. I enjoy, and I've enjoyed the last few weeks doing this, I enjoy it. Getting out alone, away from people, away from cars, away from anything. Uh, getting out in the woods and just spending some time observing creation and praying out in that environment with no distractions. Be still and know that I am God. God wants to show himself to us, but oftentimes in the rush we got the noise machine on. We got everything on. Hey, maybe just mute the music in your car, okay? My girls love when we drive. They want the music on. And I often want the music off because I like praying when I drive. But they want it on, okay? They want the music on, and they want to be able to hear everything. Hey, God wants to speak to you. When you're driving to work, maybe turn that thing off. Lord, what do you want to say today? Lord, would you speak to me? When you're driving to work, hey, put the Bible on a little bit. Listen to the word of God. You can find it easily, digitally, anywhere with your phone. And listen to God's word and then shut the thing off and just take a moment. Lord, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want me to do? Ask God for his opinion. Lord, what do you want to do? Not what we want to do. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Joshua, good leader, 
We learn from his decision. And this, these things were written for our example. May the Lord help us to not make easy decisions. We've, we've observed easy decisions. We don't like to say that we made an easy decision, though, but sometimes we do. And maybe this morning we could take a little bit of time right now in prayer and ask God for his opinion, for his direction. Ask him to show us the way. Let's stand together for prayer this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed. In a moment of invitation, we want to respond to the Holy Spirit of God. We've heard the word. We've seen the example they asked not counsel of the Lord. They forgot God's opinion. They didn't ask him. We don't want to do that. We want to instead ask God for his opinion. We want his direction. And this morning, maybe we would just simply ask the Lord to show us his will. Ask him to help us to not fall like they did. They had to put up with these people for the rest of their generations, people that did not know God living among them. They had to enter battles they would not have had to enter because of this league. They made a foolish decision. It was an easy decision. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be wise, discerning, and to make decisions that advance the kingdom of God. And Lord, decisions that advance seeing souls saved in this community. Decisions that will further your will in our lives. And Lord, I do not know what decisions we are faced with this week. There are many decisions that we all are faced with this week in the room. But I pray if there be any decisions that we are being faced with this week that are out of your will. Decisions we should not make that way, but we're planning to that you would reveal to us your will and help us to surrender to it, that we might please you. We ask these things in Christ's name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you take a moment right where you're at? As the piano begins to play, would you do business with the Lord? I encourage you, if you've not come forward in a while, maybe would you come forward to pray and ask the Lord to show you his will. We want his direction. We want his guidance. Would you ask him to reveal himself to you? Would you come forward and pray? Would you seek the Lord? Ask him to show you his way, his will, that we might advance his kingdom in this community. Let's take time to pray and seek the Lord.